It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Show. very special episode of the Feckin Check-In. This is the Feckin Check-In Open Us special. Uh, my name is Trainer, and with me as always is my co-host Toomey. How are you doing this afternoon Toomey? Good, it's back. It's good to be back in the Open Us uh, um, realm if you will. We have the Open Us music playing in the background as we speak. Um, so yeah, it's good to be back and it's good to have an update on that and it's good to be doing another special. So yes. I'm good. That's good. Excellent. Uh, so what's Open Us, you might ask, listener, if you've only started listening to the Feckin' Check-In recently, um, or you maybe dip in and out or whatever. It's a podcast that we did. We launched it in November 2019, and the premise was for me and Toomey to try a new task or new thing we'd never done each week and report back on it the following week, um, in theory, to open us up to new experiences. Yes. In theory, <laughs> being the keywords. Theory. <laughs> yeah. That, that was our last podcast. It was uh, it sort of died, but now we're bringing it back from the dead depths and the the crypt and the the grave as well, and the morgue so, as well, and the morgue, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that lasted for 20 episodes and we did about 17 tasks. Uh, some of the tasks were spread over two episodes and then there was a, an introduction one and a, and a final one. Um, but we felt after 20 it had kind of run its course. But that also coincided, of course, with the first lockdown as part of the coronavirus. So going out and doing new things and different tasks wasn't easy or wasn't really achievable. Um, so we stopped doing Open Us and then we started the Feckin' Check-In, which was a completely different podcast, which basically gave us the creative freedom to do and talk about whatever we wanted. And even the Feckin' Check-In has changed drastically since we first started that as well. Yeah, that's evolved a lot. I think Open Us, uh, the, the concept was a bit tight around doing new things and it was hard to get outside of that uh, that kind of those chains um, but a shout out to the first time triers podcast they're still going uh, i think less frequent episodes than before but they're still going there it's basically the exact same concept as we had yeah as we touched on on a previous episode of the feck and check-in uh, while we were doing this there was also a podcast ongoing called uh, first time triers which is two friends english lads uh, who are basically doing the same thing they're trying something for the first time and talking about it then uh, so that was funny to find out that that was happening um around the same time as ours was happening and, and no one knew about either podcast either so it wasn't a case of uh, us stealing the idea from them or them stealing the idea from us it was just a coincidence and i'm sure there's probably lots of podcasts where people are trying stuff for the first time it's hardly the most fucking um like intelligent concept on the face yeah. of the planet <laughs> yeah and let's be honest their, their tasks were uh overall a lot better than ours and they seem to get a bit more uh gras an irish expression a bit more enjoyment out of it uh, than we did we it kind of became a pain in the arse for us at the end um but one of the tasks we did in open us that was really enjoyable last year was that we listened to each other's most played songs on spotify and this this past week spotify has released it uh, to everybody on spotify giving you your your most played songs your most played albums your most played podcasts and we thought why not do a special, an update on that Open Us uh, task that we did last year to see how would we get on listening to each other's top three, three, three uh, Spotify most played songs this year. That kind of information is hard to get out, isn't it? Most yes. played songs, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't you enjoy did well any of that. I didn't enjoy <laughs> You did well in fairness. You didn't stumble. You got through There's it. There's a, a lot of shit to get through there. There really is. Like, um, it's like being a, a news anchor or something. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, last year we, we reviewed each other's top 10. We dedicated an episode each to that. So there was two episodes covering that. But it, it was probably my favourite task, um, maybe other than vegan for a week, that we did on Open Us. And it's nice to revisit it now because it's that time of year again. You got your, your 2020 wrapped uh, little fucking video thing from Spotify. Everybody gets that if you're on Spotify. And it's always interesting to go and look at what you've been listening during the year. So... I've listened to your top three, you've listened to my top three, and now we're going to discuss that, I think, are we? Yeah, to see if listening to the other person's top three opened up our minds to their type of music. Let's have a quick recap on last year, though. So you had a lot of um, instrumental tracks in your top ten playlist. I had a lot of rock and heavy metal. Um, I can safely say since then I haven't gone and listened to any of that type of music at all, and listening to your top ten last year didn't open me up to any types of new music. <laughs> wow well i have to say i've had exactly the same experience although as we go on i will explain how my um I, what am i trying to say how i now pick up on different nuances within rock and heavy metal that i didn't pick up on before and now as i listen back to these three new songs i can actually spot things that i like and spot things that i don't like uh, so in that way i've looked at at rock music or heavy metal music in a different way. Okay, that's interesting. Right. Um, do you want to go first? We'll okay. Go to, we'll go track right. for track, maybe. So, uh, track for track. Okay, so your top most played Spotify song for 2020, up until the 2nd of December, of course. Actually, it's up until the 31st of October, I found out. Is it? Yes, because I went oh, and Googled Oh, that's Goog- outrageous. I went and Googled this. So there's two months of listening that's never accounted for. And your 2020 wrapped is based on listens from January the 1st till October 31st. That's outrageous because your listening habits can change quite a lot in a couple of months. Mm. I also also saw someone on Twitter saying they should release how your your year is going so far so you can make amends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, but here we go. Trainers, top played song of 2020 up until 31st of October I, I know that fucking metal fans are on tenter hooks um, here we go dum 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 it is Queen of the Stone Age Little Sister right you're gonna maybe talk about this in the middle but in a minute uh, but my reactions to it um unfortunately i'm not a rock fan i'm not a heavy metal fan i found this generic i found it uh humdrum <laughs> i i found it grungy with a kind of a nirvana influence and lots of people will like that but i'm not, i was never a huge fan of nirvana i thought they had some melodies but they deliberately uh toned them down and didn't sing them as well and then that was apparently supposed to be amazing um (laughs) (laughs) oh he's not singing as well as he possibly could oh oh he's amazing um but it was fine it was there was a riff that was uh being played a few times in it that was okay uh actually i've written down here why i don't like rock music right this song so i had a strong reaction to this song in in the negative way so it's fair to say this particular song wouldn't open me up to listening to, to more rock. And by the way, I'll just say as a disclaimer, my opinion is not worth anything on rock music. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> no, should it, take anything I say seriously. But like, it's, I mean, it's valid because you've gone and listened to the music. So it's not just like you're making a broad generalization about rock. You've gone and listened to a song and you've picked reasons why you don't like it. So it is a valid oh, opinion. Thank you. <laughs> I just don't want to like trigger anyone. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Well, if people are going to get sensitive about that, then they need to stop living. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. Um, okay, so 
I will tell you as well that I do not like this song whatsoever. What? By God. <laughs> By God. <laughs> so it was Kane all along. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a swerve for you now. Um, the reason that is my number one played song of 2020 is that I, as you know, was singing in a band for a bit while you could still do rehearsals. And this that type of music represents the taste of the people who I'm in the band with and not me. Are you going to offend them? <laughs> well, they don't Somehow listen to this. All right. Okay. <laughs> so... For the very reasons that you stated why you don't like that song, I share those reasons, and I do not like that song either. Um, I was never into Queens of the Stone Age. I do like Nirvana, but I know exactly what you're saying, as in, like, they they held back on the melody, and they held back on uh, the singing, certainly. And Kurt Cobain could sing a lot better than he did on most of his songs, but didn't, because they were playing a particular style of heavy heavy rock. Um, But I don't like that song at all. Uh, It's just that the (laughs) 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 band... The what band, an unexpected turn. The band wanted to play it, um, and I am the singer, so I had to learn it. So I ended up playing it loads on Spotify. Now, as I played it more and more and more, I kind of got into it a bit, but it really doesn't represent the type of rock music I like. I, I didn't go down that path when, you know, all this music started coming out in the early 2000s. Uh, the Queens of the Stone Age and that kind of heavier influenced, kind of more modern sounding rock or heavy metal. I went the other way, like, you know, as, as you know, I like to go more kind of melodic kind of stuff with, with usually with better singing, maybe not all the time in, in your opinion, but um, I'm not into that type of stuff. I don't really like it. Uh, it, it the, the song itself is kind of has a bit of a melody to it, but it's like, as you said, humdrum. I, I agree with you. It's humdrum. <laughs> I have written down here. OK, fine. <laughs> uh, like, it's, it's not a bad song. Uh, it's just for me. It doesn't grab me. And there's no, there's nothing I can, as a non-rock fan, I can sort of attach myself to or or get into. Um, and I, I'm surprised it brought up Nirvana. I, I obviously was holding back these feelings about Nirvana for years. Uh, but I, when I was out, always listening to Nirvana, I was always thinking, why don't they just do more of the melodies? Why isn't there like a bit more? And then I found out, I, I, I may have misinterpreted this, but it seemed like that was the style. Grunge music was the style, and to me, it's just like okay, so that's the style. You tone down the melody to make it sound worse, and then people are like, "Oh, this is amazing!" So it's something I never really got. Yeah. Um. So I mean, Nirvana was quite influenced by pop, I think, and there there is a lot of melody in those songs. But it's, I suppose, with grunge, they went for a non-obvious melody uh, or more subtle melody, and that to me rewards repeated listening. I would say. Um rather than something that's very obvious like radio pop where immediately immediately you like it but upon repeated listens you be, you come to detest it i i found like with a lot of the grunge bands it was the opposite you you kind of listen to it at first you're like oh it's like the melodies are lurking in there they're subtle you have to find them um and then you when you do find them it's all the more rewarding than something that hits you immediately you're like wow this is fucking unbelievable but then after 10 listens you're like you never want to hear it again Mm, I get I get that now when you when you say it. that's actually a much more uh, informed <laughs> opinion on it. Uh, it reminds me of things like in in rap music, which I'm a big fan of hip hop rap, and like the Wu Tang Clan. It doesn't grab people. Their songs don't grab people who are not rap fans. You kind of have to go. You have to be sort of a, a fan already, almost of that type of music. That's how how I feel about grunge. I but think. then. I will say there are some grunge bands that I don't like. Like, again, with the band that I'm singing in, we were doing a Soundgarden song. They were one of the big grunge bands. And I just, I like, I'm trying to sing this song and I just can't get into it. And, like, unfortunately, because the band was already in existence before I joined, a lot of the covers we decided to play were already chosen when I got there. And I'm, I'm trying to get into these songs to sing them, to rehearse them. And it's very difficult when it's not really the type of music you're passionate about. Um, But that's the way it goes. Like, I, I'll try to bring in my own influence gradually and we've also kind of written a few songs as you know i've sent some stuff to you which is more in line with kind of what i would like all right so you're talking about hip-hop there and of course this is now my turn to do your top played song of 2020 per your spotify 2020 wrapped playlist which you received recently and that is eminem and another person uh hold on a second juice world uh and it's the song godzilla 
and it's from the album Music to So I was listening to this. I was, I, I'm saying I was a fan of Eminem, and I'm not one of these people who just disregards music they used to listen to and grows out of it. I, I never understand that concept, but I just don't listen to Eminem currently. So I will say I was a fan of Eminem up to about um, recovery, relapse, that type of time. Um, and after that, I didn't really continue listening. I didn't really like the the Marshall Mathers LP too, um, and dipped in and out of some of the stuff he did recently. Liked one or two songs, but was never. It never grabbed me, but this song is actually very good. Um, my thoughts on it are uh, that I think the chorus, I don't know about this Juice World guy, I assume he's one of these new, hip, current, cutting-edge producers, um, but I find with a lot of that music that, sorry, I find with a lot of that music that the choruses sound quite modern and quite overproduced, and that's what I felt about this chorus. Um, it just sounds this kind of, it sounded very 2020, let me put it that way, if that if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, kind of has an auto-tune kind of thing in it. Yeah, it just sounds like it was just like processed on a very high-spec computer. And, like, <laughs> they recorded about 40 seconds worth of material and then they shat this chorus out. And, <laughs> and, like, it's like, it's it sounds like any chorus from any modern song, like and that's complete ignorance on my part there uh, because I don't really listen to modern hip-hop or pop or R&B really too much uh, and uh, yeah it's just the chorus kind of put me off but then later on Eminem starts rapping like an absolute crazed lunatic uh, around 2.59 he starts rapping and it's faster than anything I've ever heard him do and I think it's faster than anything I've ever heard any rapper do with my limited uh, exposure to a lot of rap I think it has the record for the most like words rapped in that space of time it's absolutely insane. And do you know what's brilliant as well? It gets outrageously fast at almost impossible speed, but you can hear every syllable he says, which is very impressive because to enunciate the words as quickly as he does in that particular rhythm, not miss a beat, and for the listener to be able to pick up on every single syllable of every single word is just such a rare and unique talent that I was absolutely impressed uh, listening to yeah, uh, I'm exactly the same. I mean, it's it's quite a popular song, and I think the I agree with you what you're saying about the song. Like the chorus isn't amazing, but then when you, you just I, when I listen to it, sometimes I just fast forward to that last verse because it's just it's mesmerizing the the way he can do it so fast and every like the lines as well are really clever. Like I have them passing out like a handsome on flyers something like that <laughs> I can't remember the exact line but it's like it's just everything he's saying makes sense and is clever as well so you can hear everything it's really clever there's loads of metaphors analogies uh, plays on words uh, it's, it's like, brilliant it's like a 90 minute stand up comedy routine condensed into uh, 40 seconds of rapping and like it's one zinger after another basically and it was one of the most popular rap songs of 2020 it might have even been released in 2019 towards the end of 2019 um, but he's really returned to form with um, his lyrical skills. Like, I think, I think with the the songs sometimes that Eminem has released recently are not as catchy and are not as um, they don't have as much crossover appeal, and they're sometimes not pleasant to listen to. So personally, when I go and listen to Eminem, it's to to listen to these feats of lyrical genius rather than enjoying the song. Like, yeah, and this is that this song sums up where Eminem is right now. Like he's not making amazing songs, but he's doing these amazing things when he raps. That's the thing, though. I think back in the day, he had the whole package. He had the lyrical 
skills and lyrical genius and he had good songs um and i think maybe now based on a small number of recent songs i've listened to uh nothing none of them have caught me and and what caught me with this was the impressiveness of how he rapped rather than the actual whole song as a package yeah exactly and i suppose when he was in his his prime was his first three albums maybe and dr dre was his producer and he really had a gim- a gimmick to use a wrestling analogy like he he was basically a young white white kid and he, he was kind of unusual in rap because of his uh, his race and but he he's also had the shock value and he had all the stories about his him growing up and he could say whatever he wanted but then after a while that kind of he'd actually said everything <laughs> he said yeah. everything shocking he could possibly say and then i think yeah. he yeah it's like the well ran dry after three or four albums and uh i think encore personally for me was where i started losing interest um i don't think it was amazing although we did have some great songs afterwards like crack a bottle and i thought no love was brilliant that's one of my favorite as well that has another brilliant uh verse at the end where he goes really really fast um okay Intra- interesting just a quick point uh the younger generation who weren't there for his first couple of albums maybe don't have that same connection with him i've noticed um there, there's sometimes youtube review shows you know when they play an album and then they they give their reactions and uh his recent music has got sort of negative feedback from those types of things and, <laughs> and eminem is very aware of it and he got like pissed off with all that so he's released a series of songs like attacking those people doing the reviews and he's just he's almost like fuck you and then he just goes absolutely bananas on the microphone and just and he shoves his lyrical skills down your throat <laughs> and it's like shut up you reviewer like making money off me kind of thing you've never understood that i was the best <laughs> anyway yeah yeah but i mean i suppose to um the likes of people who might be 18 or 19 years old today who weren't even born when the Marshall Mathers LP came out uh, he must be just this old guy like he's probably like the Rolling Stones you know <laughs> that's like like 20 years ago when I was 15 the Rolling Stones were in their 50s and I mean Eminem isn't too far off that is he he's probably late 40s yeah he's just, he's near he's closer to 50 yeah I'm stretching the analogy here but he's essentially the Rolling Stones of rap uh to a 15 year old now like the real Rolling Stones were to me 20 years ago. Yeah, and I guess it's a bit like he's able to, in in contrast to the Rolling Stones, he's able to come back with these individual songs to actually to show the youth. Yeah. <laughs> this has turned into a rant against the youth. Uh, <laughs> that I am the best. It's like the Rolling Stones coming back and just pre- making this amazing song just out of nowhere. But like their whole catalogue, their new catalogue might not be amazing, but they might come back every so often and be like, fuck you. It's it's a fuck you song, is what it is. Fuck you, yeah. Well, it's it, it's more common to rap to do that, to react and write a song. That's not really a rock thing at all. But yeah, it's 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 a luxury afforded to rappers, I think, where they can just release a song and tell everybody how they think uh, today about something, or maybe release it tomorrow. <laughs> one of the one of the most fun things about rap, in some ways, as well, are the the battles. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's good. Uh, overall, thought it was a good song. Um, and then we will move on, I suppose, to my second song. Yes, your second song was from 1989. And I think the feckin' metal listeners might be more happy with this one. And that is by an artist called Sabotage. I think it's a band. And the name of the song is When the Crowds Are Gone.
what I've written down here is that this is a great song, uh, much better than the first song. <laughs> uh, melod- melodic, uh, good singer. It has lots of different parts, like it starts off with a piano bit, it has really good drums, the riff is really good. All bits of the song are really high quality. There's a great mix of shouty and singing. <laughs> That's what I have as well. Like there's shouty bits um, that are incredible shouty bits. Like there's there's bits where the singer towards the end of the song he sings like a for about a minute or so. He's singing, he's shouting the whole time. He's like screeching, but it's melodic at the same time. I think it's incredible the way he um, captured that. He was able to do that. And then there's other bits that are singing. Uh, yeah, I, I would have associated this song much more with you than the first one, which actually, as we've talked about, it makes sense. Um, but uh, I also like this, the line, I wasted time until time wasted me. And I want to ask you about that in a second. Because <laughs> um, we have history, personal history with that line. Um, and even the different components of the song, like towards the end, it goes, turn them on again. I think he's talking about the lights. Uh, like there's even, I love songs that have, bridges and different parts and there's even like two or three different choruses so yeah. <laughs> this is a brilliant song i have to say yeah uh cheers i i love that song <laughs> um and the singer's name is john oliva and he has a yeah really really good range um vocally and i know what you mean at the end like he's really emotionally i will say even screaming as well but he keeps the melody there and he doesn't uh he doesn't uh, sacrifice melody for heaviness is how I would describe it. Mm, I, I just think it's incredible to be able to sing melodically while you're screaming. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so they are like kind of, they write albums that they refer to as like heavy metal operas and that's a song from one of those uh, albums. Um, and there's a lot of, I have a lot of personal history with that song but I won't uh, I won't take too long talking about this but I, I, I listened to that song a lot um, back in March um, twenty. 20 this year um i was going over to, to to london and i just started playing this song a lot during that trip and i think that like it has a lot of meaning to me because um i i'm simultaneously happy and sad when i listen to it because it's it comes from a time in my life when i was quite low wasn't feeling the best like obviously split up with my wife um but i went over to london i think that kind of that trip was a turning point in my life um and I, I associate this song with that. So I went over, I saw the band Visigoth, as discussed on previous episodes, for, for two different gigs. I was on my own, having a fucking great time, uh, going to gigs, chatting to random people uh, in the bar, chatting to like the singer from Visigoth. And it was just a, a brilliant weekend and kind of a turning point in my... I was like miserable for months from like November to March. And then I wasn't exactly fucking perfectly fine after this, but I think it represents a turning point in my life from being like completely miserable to being like less miserable to where I am today which is pretty happy and um I also actually started talking to my current girlfriend on that trip as well uh, as I was on my way to the airport I matched with her on tinder and uh, we, we, <laughs> we were messaging back and forth uh, while I was away on that trip so it's just a, it's a it's a weird kind of um that song represents uh, uh so much for me and then also the lyrics as well are very relevant to the coronavirus lockdown, which happened directly after that trip. When I got back from London in March, we went into our first lockdown. And the song is about when the crowds are gone, like this person who's addicted to the spotlight. And he almost has no identity when he's not on stage in front of a crowd. And obviously we haven't had concerts or crowds um, in months now in like nine months and there must be so many people out there who are singers or performers who are essentially addicted to the spotlight and addicted to the stage and that's their release and they live vicariously or not vicariously but they live through the audience and and there must be a lot of people in that position now so I, that, that song just i don't know it represents a time in my life it, it has meaning i love the actual song itself and i think it kind of was almost prophetic for what was about to happen yeah, there's a lot of memories and meaning in there. It's a, it's, it's a really emotional song as well. Emotive is maybe the right word, and that it inspires emotions. Um, and the line, I wasted time until time wasted me. I'm sure that maybe you were trying to write a song for the lineup, our previous rap band. And I think you sent me a, a recording, and one of the lines was, I wasted time until time wasted me. Well, so, so the line that? is, I wasted my time until time wasted me. Uh, now, I, I'm only familiar with this song in the last couple of years, so I don't, it depends what time frame you're talking about. I think you would have sent me th- th- those lyrics 
about five years ago. Okay, well, I could say for definite that I didn't know this song five years ago. So if I did send you something <laughs> like that, it was by pure coincidence. Because um, I've only started listening to this song in the last couple of years. Um, I know we did talk about it as a topic on the feckin' check-in before. I think it was a kernel of truth. Oh, maybe. Maybe I'm mixing it up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I chose this lyric as a kernel of truth on the feckin' check-in. And it was about procrastination. And I said, I wasted my time until time wasted me. I don't know. It still rings a bell of you saying, I wasted my time until time wasted me. You sang it like that. Yeah, that's how the song goes. Uh, I also left a voice note in the lads' WhatsApp group when I was over in ah, London. Ah, that, <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. Because I'm just, just mixing up audio recordings that you'd sent. Yeah, that was it. That was it. One of the mornings I woke up and I was still drunk. And I was listening <laughs> to that song a lot over that weekend. Which is why it's in my top... Why it's my second most played song of the of the year, obviously. And I... Uh, I was standing outside the hotel having a smoke and I was still a bit drunk and then I sang into the phone. That's <laughs> it. That's now. it. That's why it was so familiar to me. <laughs> there you go. So that's a sabotage when the crowds are gone. Uh, let's move on. The next song on your playlist is Elton John uh, and it is the Border Song, a live version. Of So, um, I'd never heard this song, to the best of my knowledge, in my life before. Um, but it, it opens with a familiar sounding voice, and a kind of familiar, even though it's not the exact same, a familiar piano refa- refrain from Elton John. I think he's somebody where you can tell it's him playing the piano within two seconds. I don't know why that is, but maybe it's the chord progressions he chooses, or whatever. Um, but it was like, immediately, you hear that voice, and you hear the piano opening riff, and you're like, that's Elton John. And it's kind of reassuring. Like I, I can't say that I'm a massive fan of Elton John, but I do like 10 or 12 of his songs, at least. And uh, my brother had a Best of Elton John double CD when we were growing up, and he would have played that a lot. Like So I know a lot of Elton John songs, but I don't really ever go to listen to him, I'll say. But... Uh, I do like those ones. I like the, the likes of Tiny Dancer and, and all the ones everybody else knows. And uh, this kind of reminded me a bit of Tiny Dancer. Uh, and then I went and investigated it. And it's actually on the same album that that was on. Uh, the album called Elton John, which was out in 1970, which was his second album. Second album. Um, but like that song is 50 years old. And uh, it sounded so fresh and just... I suppose this is a live version. I don't know when that album was released, but it sounded like something he could release now or like could have released at any point in his career. It's... it. Those those piano ballads are timeless, and they never sound they never sound dated. They never sound uh, passé. They just sound current and fresh, regardless of when they're from or what time period they're released. And I think Elton John like could write twenty of those tomorrow, probably, and they'd all be great. Um, I know he writes the music, and the other guy Bernie Taupin or Taupin writes the lyrics. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a really good song, and I listened to it a few times, and just generally thought it was nice. I don't have too much insight to give into it, uh, other than I just thought it was in a catalogue of really good piano ballads. It's another one, and it's really good. Yeah, great stuff. Um, during in two thousand and nineteen, at some point, uh, I went to an Elton John gig, and I was familiar with like the greatest hits of Elton John, uh, "Tiny Dancer," "Rocket Man." Uh, etc. Uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Uh, everything. You know, everybody kind of knows the, All the, the top ones. ten. All the ones. <laughs> but I'd never heard this song before until I was at that gig. And instantly at the gig, just him playing it live. And he sang it with such emotion that it brought me to the verge of tears. That's how oh. powerful it was to me. Because it was, it was something about, it was Elton John's kind of his farewell tour. And he was old. <laughs> He's old, basically. And we might not get to see him again. There was all that kind of in the background. And he just played it. it just the singing of it live was incredible. And the, it was just him on the stage with the piano. And it's such a simple song that I could just latch onto it so quickly. And it's a very, it's kind of an emotional song as well. Um, 
yeah, so it kind of, yeah. And then that's why it's a live version that I picked out because it reminds me of, of being at Elton John. Very good. Um, and can I say as well, I was so happy to have two songs consecutively that had vocals in them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a real treat for me uh, compared to this time last year. After last year's debacle. <laughs> Background music debacle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is great. Um, do you listen to Elton John a lot more now, having been at that concert? It seems like that was a huge time in your life, or like a huge event in your life, because you've talked about it a few times. It was just such a good gig. Like, it was the best gig I was ever at, because, you, like, it was all live. Like, the, the music was, like, the sound quality was brilliant. The Elton John's vocal was amazing. It really, yeah, it really affected me, um, that gig, and... Then I started to get more into his songs after it. Um, and then he had the film coming out, the movie about Elton John. And I got to know. So, like, I know his, like, 10 or 12 of his songs. I was never motivated enough to go and listen to his back catalogue. Mainly because I wouldn't know where to start. Like, there's just, it's too overwhelming to, to start. But but now that you mention it, that Elton John song that has, did you say it has Tiny Dancer on it and this Border song? That as album, well? yeah. It's, it's just called Elton John, yeah, from 1970. Yeah, I might listen. I might go back and listen to that. I think Elton John has two gears. Like he has these really emotional songs, these piano songs, and then he has like the kind of upbeat, dancey uh, songs. I don't like them at all. The honest. Saturday nights are right for fighting. That type of stuff. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you don't like that stuff. No, no, I hate that. Stuff. <laughs> okay, what about? Just not I'm still standing. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> well. well I kind of like it, the emotional thing that like he's still standing. I like that message that everything he's been through, he's still standing. But I don't like the that type of song coming okay. from. How about I you? Do you, do you, do you I like, like I some like, of his songs? I like that. Actually, was, I was only listening to him last night. Listened to a few Elton John songs last night. But uh, that one that one came on. I, I really like that one, uh, Until Standing. It's just kind of like... Uh, it's like a fuck you song, actually, like we were saying earlier. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who it's about or what it's written about exactly, but it, I'm pretty sure it's a fuck you to somebody. <laughs> Record company, someone, who knows, but like, better than I ever was. Looking like a true survivor. That's good. I do like that. I would love it if it was even more of a more aggressive tone. You can imagine it in a rock song. Yeah. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah. Very good. There's All that right. one for free, Night Demon. <laughs> 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 all right nice references there okay so we're gonna move on that was elton john and it's now on to me again from you back, back to you uh yeah this number three uh very surprised with this choice and not in a judgy way just <laughs> very surprised <laughs> and i have to tell you that completely separate to this i have long hated this artist uh, just one of those artists that bothers you you know you just take a dislike to them and it's Taylor Swift <laughs> and she had a song this song is called Blank Space I wrote some notes on this uh, the other day. I kind of have a few notes. Go ahead. The, and uh, I'm trying to sum up my feelings towards Taylor Swift. I think it's summed up by this line. I hate Taylor Swift, but this is a great pop song. Ooh. I hate the lyrics, Starbucks, lovers. And then I have written down the next line, clever lyrics. And then I'm... And then I was like, I, sometimes... It's not that she's trying to be clever, but it's not that clever. I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. Okay, it sounds good, but <laughs> let me break it, break it down. Like you're a nightmare dressed like a daydream. Like what does that even mean? Like I I just don't understand it. Nobody's ever said that. What what does a daydream dress like? 
just little things like that. And I hate the stop in the song for blank space. Like this, the, it all cuts down. It's like blank space or like it doesn't actually say that but there's a little gap and it's like oh that's really clever blank space the song is called blank space and now there's a blank space in the song Ugh, just don't like it um but then i find myself bobbing my head again yeah <laughs> and then i've written at the end the production qualities are excellent uh the melody is great despite my cynicism i hate the lyrics i think what it is about taylor swift is why i don't like her is because I feel from the start she's always had this amazing production team around her and these amazing writers around her. And she doesn't, as far as I know, play her own instruments or create the melodies and the music. And I feel like she contributes the lyrics and the persona to a lot of her music. But I feel like the real creativity is in the wider team around her. And I think she sometimes gets the credit for that. But that's just my incredibly close-minded bitter... (laughs) Just taking a dislike to Taylor Swift. So, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's my reaction to Taylor Swift more generally than this actual song, to be honest. Um, do you want to explain your choice here? Explain yourself. Yeah, um, so uh, this song is from 2014, and I was first exposed to it when I was in San Francisco visiting my sister back in November 2014. So she used to listen to, like, Top 40 radio. And um, I wouldn't have known any Taylor Swift songs back then, except maybe... We are never, ever, ever getting back together. Um, so I had never heard really any of her music and I don't listen to the radio now and I didn't back then. Uh, but because we were in her car a lot and driving to different places, like we drove to Santa Cruz and stuff, this song was fucking on all the time. And uh, it was in my head. And then I forgot about it for years. And Taylor Swift's music wasn't on Spotify for a long time. And then a couple of years ago, it was all on Spotify. Um, and when I, when I heard that that was when I heard that announcement that was available I was like I have to go and find this fucking song that reminds me of San Francisco because it had kind of been in my head like an earworm ever since and um, I I looked up what I could remember from the lyrics I couldn't really remember but I remembered like a a little snippet or something Um, and then I found it and I was delighted because it was just a nostalgic song for me from that trip from years ago and I didn't listen to it again for four or five years and then I kind of started listening to it a lot and then I kind of stopped then and just like it was just kind of a little nostalgia kick for me but then it was actually on that trip to London again (laughs) this year (laughs) I was on my way home and I just had a weekend of heavy metal and I'd been to two massive like not massive sorry small but very loud uh, you know in your face kind of heavy metal gigs with three bands playing each night and I needed something to unwind from that and I stuck on Taylor Swift on the way home and listened to it in the airport and on the plane and on the bus home from the airport. And it was basically this song on repeat with one or two other songs as well, um, which is why it's up there in my top. But not like it wasn't just that day. I do I do listen to it here and there as well. Um, but I, like you said, I just think it's a it's a great pop song. I don't really pay too much heed to the lyrics, but I do like some of them. Um, I'm a I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. I mean, that's just aimed at the kids, isn't it? It's not, <laughs> it's not really aimed at you and me. <laughs> like, uh, but I I just think the mel- the melody is excellent. I think she's a really good singer, and like the line, I got a long list of ex lovers. That's just like there's so much happening in that line. Like, um, she's talking about herself like she's saying i've got a long list of ex-lovers who say that i'm insane i've got a blank space baby i'll write your name she's almost admitting that she's difficult to be in a relationship with but then it's also the melody of that song really hooks me in um and i just think it's it just gets in under your skin and inside your mind and i can't get it out and i am over i'm all right with that i don't have any particular dislike for taylor swift actually at all i am i think she is like certain things she says in the meet like she took a stance against spotify for a very long time which i respect because it's like it is a bullshit um platform really uh nobody really gets paid out of it and now she probably gets paid out of it more than anyone else based on how they distribute uh the the money but um uh, like she just seems like quite clever has her head screwed on um and i like some of her music so i don't i don't have any issues with her at all and this song to me is just pop perfected yeah, I had a similar experience with Miley Cyrus recently, and yeah. I played it played it on the the feckin' check in a, f- a few weeks ago, and uh, it was a really the type of music I wouldn't really listen to. But I had a listener contact me to give out about that <laughs> in yeah, a nice yeah, way. Yeah. But uh, th- I think there's something that this isn't really. Maybe Taylor Swift isn't aimed at me, and maybe I get cranky. 
because I don't quite get it. And uh, obviously, my opinion is not um, very... People shouldn't take my opinion as a serious opinion, be, judging by how how popular Taylor Swift is and how respected she is. Uh, she is respected for her lyrics and the yeah, stories and like, she tells and she the speaks melodies out, she does. She speaks out on things like sexual harassment and stuff as well. Like I, I, think, she, I think she kind of sends out a good message um, to people who would be influenced by her like i think she stands up for women women's rights and being uh not being walked all over because you're a woman in a man's world that type of stuff i think she sends out good messages about that type of stuff Mm, i think so she's just not for me i don't like um anything about the music she produces and that's just it's just not to my taste i don't have anything when I said I hate Taylor Swift, I just hate her music. All right, okay. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like, there are, there's three different songwriters on that song. There's two different producers. Uh, she doesn't play an instrument on it. So I know what you mean. It's, it is manufactured pop, like, and there's no getting away from that. Um, I, I just, I, I suppose I take issue at manufactured pop and then it being marketed as Taylor Swift's genius. When, like, I know she comes up with a lot of the lines and some of the, the melodies and stuff, but I think a lot of people with that, team around them would do a good job probably not as good as her in fairness she's very charismatic and uh yeah she's popular all over the world and yeah what do i know really what have you ever done to me what have i ever done (laughs) if i had her team of writers (laughs) around me that's what you're getting at isn't it that's what i'm getting at yeah I could be Taylor Swift uh, but no actually I actually hate that comeback from people you see it on message boards online and like somebody is just criticising a song or an album by someone else by a well known artist and then the little commenting dip dipshit underneath is like name any hit album you've ever played on it's like what I, I'm not I'm not allowed to express an opinion a critical opinion on some form of art because I myself am not involved in that industry what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's, anyway uh, yeah simplistic okay let's stop ranting about that um okay so we're going to move on to your final uh song here and it's a song that was featured in your last year's um your top 10 countdown from 2019 on our episode of open us it is sagittarius by moonlight uh which is at number three again in your list i'm very surprised at this and i was looking through my list further of uh, there's lots of background music still around there um, a lot of the songs from last year and I'm kind of thinking how the hell I don't even remember listening to these songs and I really think for again for me it's the same issue as last year all these songs that are just literally on in the background while I'm working and stuff then they end up on my top 10 or whatever and then it's like this is the music now it's, it's portrayed as if this is the music that I'm really into but it's not it's just it's background music yeah and I, like I mean I liked this song last year so it's by Olympians Sagittarius by Moonlight we talked about how Sagittarius is the coolest of the uh, star signs and we both are a Sagittarius um, but uh, yeah I, I, I like it but like it's, I'd never listened to it to be perfectly honest with you like and it, it's perfectly pleasing to the ear there's nice horns in the background and all that type of stuff it's uplifting like but I, I wouldn't put this on I would put a thousand songs on ahead of this um, put it that way <laughs> Well, I would never listen to it either, if I can say that. <laughs> I would never like say, all right, I want to listen to some music now, and I'm really going to want to get into a song, and I'm, I'm going to put on Sagittarius by Moonlight. No, by the Olympians. No, that, that wouldn't happen. Uh, so it's just uh, it's that, that spread of the background music again. I think the difference between me and you is I never put on music in the background. So I'm always putting on music to listen to. And I think that's a different way we approach listening to music. Yeah, I, th- I don't think you... You don't seem to put on music if you're working, do you? No. No. I, well, sometimes okay. I do, but like if I'm doing a very repetitive task, but it would be music with lyrics, and I'd be listening to it, but I can focus on it because the task that I'm doing is repetitive and not taxing on the brain. Ah, you see, I deliberately put on music without lyrics because if I have music with lyrics, that distracts me and I can't focus on the task. And I, that allows me to do more complex thinking type of tasks because I don't have the lyrics distracting my thoughts. Very good. It's like the exact opposite of each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sagittarius by Moonlight. Yeah, decent song. Look forward to hearing it again next year. The listener could just... <laughs> I'm just going to say the listener could just go back and listen to last year's Open Us for our thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. But I had a few, a good few creep into my, um, my top list as well. Just to, to wrap up this point from last year, um, just have a quick look here. 
Uh, and I, I kind of wonder as well, how did they how did they get played so often? But I think maybe there's a period of time when I was listening to my top played songs from last year. And it's like a snake eating its own tail type of thing. Um, so I was, list- I was listening to my 2019 playlist in 2020. And then as a result, yeah. So, yeah, so I have The Revenant King by Visigoth in there up in the top 10. In the End by The Cranberries is up there again as well. Um, Steel and Silver by Visigoth. So these were Tiger Tiger by Slaufeg. These are all in my um, it's Father and Son by Cat Stevens. That's in the top 20. So I think I, there's a lot of... Um, Re, re sorry what am i trying to say there's a lot of ones that have re-entered the chart because of the fact that i was listening to them based on the fact that i listened to them the previous year yeah yeah they're, they're on a playlist like a playlist of selected songs that you like so so if you don't want to think about like choosing a song you just yeah, throw it on the playlist that's it yeah so that happens and i think that's happened year on year with me and spotify there's certain songs that are just always up there yeah maybe they should have like the kind of the the newer the newer songs you've listened to are a different chart for that. Um, I think maybe anything that was on your last year's one should be disqualified. Or if you could actually tailor it to how you wanted it, that would be better rather than them just dumping this on you. Yeah, because if I look at my top fifty, there's so many from from last year. It's like I'd say over fifty percent from last year in there. Um, also, an interesting one. I think it was easy for new songs to find their way up the charts in my my top fifty because. I think I listened to a lot more podcasts in the last year. Oh, yeah. I listened to 15,000 minutes or 17,000 minutes of podcasts or something, it was telling me, um, which is quite a wow. lot. Yeah. That's crazy. And one, one other question. Uh, who is your top played artist? Uh, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. <laughs> Again, yeah. Were you yeah, in the top, top what percentage? I was in the top 3%, but what I found was interesting about that is that I um, only listened to 720 minutes of Iron Maiden, which is 12 hours, which might seem like a lot, but... That's um, that's like fucking, that's like twelve. Let's like I list the twelve of their albums. Let's say, and I'm in the top three percent of Iron Maiden listeners. Yeah, I, I was surprised with uh, Nas as well. I was in the top zero point five percent of his listeners, and that was based. He released an album uh, midway through to twenty twenty, and I listened to it quite a lot, but I didn't listen to it like religiously. So it was which which shows me that Spotify listeners are fickle as fuck. And mm. I think in a lot of cases, people aren't actually fans of anything. And I, I've, I've taught, taught this for a long time or suspected it for a long time. But you see the way people play songs on Spotify. They're always skipping to the next one. They, got, they play playlists rather than albums. Uh, they're constantly looking for the next song or they think of a song where if, if I think of a song and I want to listen to it next, I add to cue so that the previous song can finish and the next one can play. But most people don't do that. They just skip the fucking song. I'd say that the back end of 90% of songs on Spotify never gets listened to. Um, and I, I made a point. I had Michael Podrabo from Glacier on, on Feckin' Metal. And I made a point that if you look at the plays on their recently released album from 2020, the first song is the most played. The second song is the second most played. The third song is the third most played. And it goes like that all the way down to the al- end of the album where the last song has far fewer plays than the first song. And it's just fucking depressing how people listen to music, I think. And it's, I mean, it's up to them how they do it. But the fact that I'm in the top 3% of Iron Maiden fans worldwide considering places like South America and Brazil and places like Scandinavia where they're massive. And I listened to 12 hours of Iron Maiden in 12 months. That's an hour a month, actually. That's a good way of putting it. An hour a month I listened to them and I'm in the top 3% of fans worldwide. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I had the same feeling with Nas. Like it's, I'm a, a big fan, but how could I be in the top 0.5%? That's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I think, I think Spotify has completely changed how people listen to music. Uh, myself included, like it's, it's harder to commit to an artist when you've got every music, uh, every song that was ever created on top. Um, as you said once before, more eloquently than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something like having every song in the history of music at your fingertips or something like that. I don't know. If I've I'm sure it was it extremely eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, look, that's a nice little look back on a very popular relatively episode of open us we did uh, a year ago um but let's maybe have a quick chat about more um general reflections on open us so do you want to lead us out on this yeah maybe just very quickly because we've gone to 50 minutes now uh, roughly so um open us we tried something new every week to try and open up our minds to doing new things and it's interesting to look back uh, about eight months on from when we finished open us and we did 20 weeks of open us so 20 weeks of trying new things and 
the impact on that on our lives is nada <laughs> zilch uh, the thing that stuck with me is the, is the vegan I think we've said this in a previous podcast as well uh, I've stuck with the vegan eating habits uh, but that's not exclusively vegan like I just have the odd vegan dinner and a lot of time it's vegetarian and I don't look out for the ingredients and stuff I don't listen to your music uh, I don't do VR uh, <laughs> I haven't been to a League of Ireland match even though I haven't been able to yeah. um, what else do we do Oh, H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. I haven't read any science fiction. I went on a tour around Dublin. Haven't, I haven't done any open top bus tours. Or, or, or tourism in Ireland in general. No. <laughs> yeah, and I think this really brings us back to a main point of why we stopped, is that I kind of maybe felt like it was a bit of a fraudulent concept. Because... Yes. Because I didn't really think it was going to open me up to anything new. But I wanted to do a podcast with you and try something different. And I think it was it was tinged with a little bit of fraud from the start. Because I know myself pretty fucking well like at this age of my life. And um, I'm not open to doing a load of new shit. Like, and it's, it, it's very obvious when you look at the things I'm interested in now. Because it's the same as the shit I was interested in when I was 20. I'm just a bit deeper into it. And... Like, you can read into that whatever you like, but it's a fact. And uh, the idea that at 33 and 34 years of age, because the podcast overlapped our birthdays, uh, just to be very fucking pedantic, the idea that (laughs) at 33 and 34 years of age that I was going to start changing how I lived and trying loads of new things and getting loads of new hobbies and doing lots of different shit, it's probably unrealistic. Um, And that's really why the podcast failed, I think. Yeah, I think it's hard as well. Like if you look in the research of personality change over time and how uh, openness is over time, like people are most open in their teenage years and their early 20s. That's when when the the average level of openness for everybody is at at its highest. But then you settle into your, your kind of openness. And as people get older, they get less and less open. So 60 year olds are less open than 30 year olds and, and so on. Um, and then the other thing about openness is that your level of your personal level of openness compared to your peers is going to stay the same. So if you're if you're the the most open out of all of your friends, you as you get older, you will stay the most open out of all your friends. But your own but like your openness mightn't be increasing all the time. So it's just r- relative to your, to your friends that that gap kind of stays but so everyone's might reduce by 20 percent, but that means everyone across the board which would still make you the most open exactly yeah so so it's like everybody's openness with age or or the average person the average person <laughs> as a group of people we all get less open as we get older but your your rank order of that you still might be the most open out of all the 70 year olds in the nursing home or <laughs> <laughs> well, 80 year olds in the nursing home uh, and it, it, yeah, it's hard to change personality. Openness is one of the big five personality traits: openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. They're they're really stable over time um, individually. So your personality doesn't massively change in those concepts and those components yeah. over time. Yeah, you just get worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what we were trying to do is like go against science. <laughs> but at the same time, one final point I would say on that is. Uh, you can become open as long as it's a specific way. So if you narrow it down and say, right, every week I'm going to have a new sandwich. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or every week I'm going to listen to a new song. Or every week I'm going to, uh, I don't know. Come on, <laughs> the, rule, the rule of three, Tim. You need one more. The rule, uh, yeah, the rule of three for the story. Uh, every week I'm going to... Watch a new movie on Netflix. Right, there you go. If you if you make it really specific like that, then you can do that. But that's not going to change how open you are in different ways, if that makes sense. I, I do. Yeah, I mean, it does. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so your global level of openness is not going to change, even if you become really open in specific ways. Okay, so I'm kind of glad we didn't drag openness on beyond its shelf life because... It shouldn't have came back from the morgue, <laughs> arguably. No, I'm only joking. I enjoyed this Should episode. Should have what? Maybe it should have stayed in the morgue and the in the crypt. Oh, in the morgue, yes, yes. Uh, I know, but it was nice. I I do like doing this uh, music review thing. I quite find it quite interesting. Um, 
so look forward to it next year uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah that's yeah. probably probably going to do it for this episode of the feckin' check-in I reckon yeah the open us feckin' check-in special and we're going to be back next week with probably our final one before Christmas right and maybe we'll just play out on the feckin' check-in music for the crack because we never do that or no we do always do that sorry uh, we just don't have a song of the week this week that's really what I meant to say so I don't know Timmy you fix it <laughs> let's either play out on the open us or the feckin' check-in alright but this is all done in post-production anyway so let's stop the stop the lies right here stop the lies <laughs> feck off whatever alright okay. off we go take Brilliant. care listener bye bye Right. Hold on a second, put down your phone Welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno drone With Shredder and Spencer but never Donatello The boys are back in town again, shenanigans from QO men The listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends to listen to the sound of us pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in then do it for the win the sun shines, but I find myself in isolation But fear not, we've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy's show, it's camera's action doom The feckin' checkin', so check your feckin' pulses Lentils, soybeans, chickpeas, whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders, or piss politics Just sit back and relax, we got your weekly fix It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show It's camera's act, it's camera's act, it's camera's action do It's camera's act, it's camera's act, it's camera's action do It's camera's act, it's camera's act, it's camera's action do It's camera's action do